is the famous chapter of the Antichrist. The famous chapter of the Antichrist where he rises up. So watch out. You know, people always wonder, why, do, why are we scared of the number 13? This is one of the reasons right here. Because that number 13, it shows up a lot as being, that's a bad number. And it shows up associating with the Antichrist. So look at Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. And I, now that I would be John. John's the one that's given this revelation. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ given to John, the Apostle John, the one that wrote the book of John, the Gospel of John. And I, John, and I, John, stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. So the first question you might ask yourself is, what does all this mean? What is this thing he's describing? Well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at that in a minute. We're gonna do, the Bible's going to explain itself. But look at verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and, it, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and, his, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, and saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? I'm going to preach this morning on the Antichrist and his link to the Catholic Church. The Antichrist and his link to the Catholic Church. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. And Father, I pray, Lord God, you'd hide me behind the cross, Lord God, and Father, I pray it be your words preached, not mine, Lord. And I pray, Father, that these words will come off the paper to us. Lord God, help us to understand them through your Holy Spirit, Father. And I pray, Lord, of course, if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, don't know for sure, 100%, if they were to die tonight, if they would go to heaven or hell, Lord God, I pray, Father, they'd come on down the aisle when we give the invitation, Lord God, and get that straight with you, Lord God, so they can know that when they walk out these doors where they're going, Lord. And I thank you for that assurance, Lord. I thank you for that peace and that grace. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So back in verse 1, that's the beast. That beast rising up out of the sea, that is, that is the rise of the Antichrist. That's the Antichrist rising up. And we're going to get deeper into those uh, seven heads and those ten horns. But we're going to focus right now on verse 2. So this whole chapter is about the Antichrist and what he's going to do in the end times. Uh, verse 2, And the beast, the Antichrist, which I saw, was like unto a leopard. Like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon. Now, if you know your Bible and you've been studying the book of Daniel, that's the same kind of beast. Those are the same kind of beasts that Daniel had a vision of. God gave Daniel a vision of the end times and these last kingdoms. He said, Here's the vision. This is the kingdoms to come. This is what you should look forward to. And he had a, he had a vision of a leopard. He had a vision of a bear. He had a vision of a lion. All those. Animals were there found in Daniel chapter 7. You can go home and read that and study it. We, we already preached, I already preached through it a few months ago, but you got a leopard, you got a bear, and you got a lion. So there that beast is represented having a body like a leopard. Having a body like a leopard. That, what is a leopard known as? A leopard is known as being multicolored. It's got brown spots, it's got white spots, it's got, a, it's, got a, it's, got a, it's got black spots, it's got the, the white underbelly. It's multicolored. This leopard here, I believe this leopard here represents America, multiracial. It's America, the main body of the beast is going to be America. The, this kingdom is the main body is going to be a leopard, it's going to be uh, America, multiracial. There's not a more diverse country than America in the whole world. Multiracial, multi-diversity. That's all that America preaches, right? Diversity, diversity, diversity. That leopard there is going to represent represents America there. And his feet, whereas the feet of a bear. 
as the feet of a bear. So his feet, the feet, the military power is going to come through a bear. What, 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 nations, uh, no, what nations represented by a bear? Russia. Russia, and we know as, we, as we're living in these end times that Russia is becoming a great power. And you always hear these, the Russians are doing this and Russians are doing that. And we need to have it all about the Russians and what the Russians are doing. So that bear is that great, that great uh, country, Russia, represented there. And it's the feet, that's a military power. So the military power that the Antichrist is going to use is going to be coming from Russia. And his mouth is a mouth of a lion. The mouth of a lion. What country is represented by a lion? Well, the lion is represented by... England or Britain, that line griffin. And what is the language of England or Britain? English. What's the universal language of the end times? What's the universal language today we're living in? English. If you go over to Japan, which is the total opposite of the globe, you go over to Japan, there's a lot of those Japanese that know how to speak English. They know how to read English. Do, do any, anybody in here know how to read Japanese or speak Japanese? But this is all over the world like this. That's the end time multi-language. That's it. That mouth as a mouth of a lion. That'd be English. And the dragon. What, 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 when you see that word dragon, what country comes to mind when you see the word dragon? China. The great symbol is the great Chinese dragon. That dragon coming up, that's a symbol of China. It says, and the dragon gave him his power. So that power, that satanic power is going to come through through China somehow, and his seat and great authority. So you have Russia and you have China there mentioned, I believe, or mentioned there in verse 2. What's interesting about that in Revelation chapter 9 and Revelation chapter 16, it says that that great river Euphrates, I got a map of, of, of uh, the Middle East here. There's, the river Euphrates runs right through the Middle East. And that great, the Bible says that great river Euphrates is going to be dried up in the end times. And it's going to be dried up for the kings of the east to come across that river so they can go to Jerusalem and to battle of Armageddon. And it says in the Bible at that time, it says there's going to be a 200 million man army. The, the scholars of that time, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, scholars couldn't understand. There's no way there could be a 200 million man army. That's too big. The Bible's lying. The Bible doesn't know what it's talking about. <laughs> Now we're living in 2021. You know what China can do? They can raise a 200 million man army right now. They got it. You know what two countries are doing war games together? And they're, they're, they're conducting war games together since 2003. Russia and China. Isn't that amazing? Is that just a coincidence? That's no coincidence. According to the word of God. So you have uh, the great river Euphrates running through there. The Bible says it's going to be dried up. You know what Turkey did, which is north of Euphrates River? They built this big, huge dam. It caused a lot of controversy. Why? Because the Turkey is trying to control the river Euphrates, that water. And you know what they, they're afraid of? Is Turkey will get mad at one of these countries down south, and they'll shut that dam off, and no water will be able to flow. Ain't that kind of weird? Because it kind of lines right up with what we're reading all in, in his Bible. It's not weird if you know that God's working and he's working behind the scenes. Look at Revelation chapter 17. So let's move on. Revelation chapter 17. Let's move on. So you see the Antichrist is going to be associated with those, those four countries. America, Russia, England, and China. That's going to, the Antichrist is going to be associated with those four countries. And it's, it's kind of funny back, and now we're living in 2021. Those are the four world powers. Is it not? Yeah. It's America, it's uh, Russia, it's China, and uh, England. 
Those are the four main world powers. And that's what the Antichrist is going to rise up and he's going to take control of. Look at Revelation 17. And now we'll get a description of what we were reading there in verse 1. Revelation chapter 17. Verse 1, And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. So this angel carries John away in the spirit, and he goes in the wilderness. This is what he sees. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, Full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. That sounds a lot like the description we just read in Revelation 13. And so, but now he sees this beast, and it's got a woman riding this beast, and she's sitting on this beast. Do you know what you know what that's called there in the European Union? In the European Union, that's called Europa. Europa. That's the story of Zeus coming down as a bull, and Zeus coming down as a bull, and he grabs this woman, and he loves her, so he carries her off as a bull. He loves her, he carries her off as a bull, and she's riding his back. So if you get any kind of European currency, you'll see a logo of Europa, which is the woman's name was Europa, and she's riding on this bull on this beast. All this stuff is just, it's creepy if you study this stuff out. But here he says, I see this woman, it's a, she's called a whore. She's riding on the scarlet colored beast, it's full of names of blasphemy. Verse 4, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Those 13, there's 13 words there capitalized. Watch out for that number 13. Verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now, admiration is not like he's admiring her. He's wondering at this, like, what am I looking at? What is, what is this? I see this woman riding on this beast, and she's, she looks... She has, these, uh, she has a wine cup in her hand, and she's got all these beautiful gold uh, earrings and, and gold necklaces, and she's, she's purple and got scarlet-colored clothes on. And there's something going on here. Verse 7, And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? Look at here. I will tell thee the mystery of the woman. So this morning, we're going to find out this mystery of this woman. That, that's what we're going to find out. And of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. So see, the Bible, a lot of times, it, it, it interprets itself. A lot, I was talking to a guy that actually was my boss, or is my boss, and I was kind of being stupid because I'm like, man, I'm going to argue with this guy, and then he's going to fire me. <laughs> but he's arguing with me about, the, oh, you don't read Revelation. We don't need to be in Revelation. We don't need to read Revelation. I don't think people need to be reading Revelation. And I was like, what are you talking about? Revelation? He said, well, you can't. Everybody has their own interpretation. No, it's right there in the Bible. Right there, it interprets itself. Well, we don't need to be reading it. This, the book of Revelation is the only book that's promised. If you read it or hear it being read, you will get a blessing. You're all being blessed this morning. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with reading this book, this book of Revelation. So this mystery of the beast and the woman character, which had the seven heads, it, the angel's going to tell us what this means. So let's study this together. Verse 8. Verse 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. 
And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. It's a strange beast. So those words there are key. They're key to something. And there's another key word in there. There's, there's, there's four key words in there. The first key word is was, is not, and yet is. Those three words there. And then perdition. Now, if you've been listening to me as I preach through these sermons on the Antichrist, there's something really weird about that word perdition. There's only two people associated with perdition in your Bible. The first one, excuse me, is the Antichrist. The first one's an Antichrist. And you find that in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. He's called the son of perdition. There's one other man called the son of perdition in the Bible. You know who that is? Judas. Judas, Judas and the Antichrist are the only two that are called the son of perdition in the Bible. And here it says he goes into perdition. Look at Acts chapter, look at Acts chapter 1. I'm going to show you something weird about Say something weird about Judas. Judas was a weird cat. He was a weird cat, Judas was. He was weird. You know why I say that? Jesus Christ said he was a devil. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 6, he said, Did I not choose all of you and one of you is a devil? And the Lord was talking about Judas, the Bible says. There's no doubt about it. He said Judas was a devil. Jesus Christ called him the son of perdition. It's Jesus that called him the son of perdition. And there's something weird about Judas. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 25. When Peter's talking about Judas, look what he, I mean about Judas. Yeah, Judas, look what he says. Acts chapter 1, verse 25. They're trying to find another apostle to take Judas' spot. That he may take part of the ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell. Look, that he might go to his own place. Woo, that's a key thing there. That's weird. Go to his own place. If you die without Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. And that's not your own place. There's lots of other people down there burning and screaming and hollering. Judas went to his own place. It says there in Revelation 17 that he's that is gone into perdition. He's the son of perdition according to Jesus Christ. So if we take the words of Jesus Christ, he's the devil, he's the son of perdition. We say here that he was and he is not and yet he is. There's a possibility, and I say might be, that the Antichrist could be Judas come back. And the reason why I say that is simply this. It says he was. He was, at the end, look at the end of verse 8. The beast that was, that's as Judas, and is not, Judas went to his own place, and yet is. He's resurrected as the Antichrist, comes back. At the very least, Judas is, the Antichrist is going to come in the spirit of Judas. Just like John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Do you know what it says in Revelation 13 that the Antichrist and the false prophet, they're going to do all the miracles and signs and wonders. They're going to fool the whole world. You know what Judas was doing? Judas was a devil. He was a son of perdition. He was walking around healing people. He was doing all the miracles that all the other apostles. It was so, he was so much like all the other disciples of Christ that when Christ says, one of you at this table is going to betray me, that Peter said, Lord, is it I? They didn't say, oh, I know it's Judas. Look at him. You know, he's a, you know look at Judas. He's always, I've always didn't trust Judas. They didn't know who it was. He was so much like all the other men that they couldn't, they didn't have any idea it would be him. Isn't that amazing? 
Son of perdition, the devil. He was as Judas, he is not. Judas went to his own place, and yet he is. That would be Judas come back. Verse 9, let's continue. Verse 9, and here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings, verse 10. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is. And the other has not yet come. So, when you study out your Bible, you study out church history, study out history, those seven kings, five are fallen. Those five fallen are, it'd be Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Media, Persia, and Greece. Those are the five. Those are the five that have fallen. Those are the five world kingdoms that were talked about in the book of Daniel. And it says one is. That would be Rome. At the time that John's writing this, Caesar was in control of Rome. That would be Rome. And one is. That'd be Rome with Caesar in control. And the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, that's the Antichrist. That's the one that we're talking about this morning. When he cometh, he must continue a short space. Do you know in the Bible, when you study the book of Revelation, the Antichrist ministry is at the, at the most of seven years and more likely maybe three and a half years. You know why some men think that Antichrist's ministry is only going to be three and a half years? Because over and over and over again, for one thing, over and over again, it's 42 months, 42 months, 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. And another reason is, it's got to be a seven-year period. How long was Jesus Christ's ministry? Three years. A little over three years. Three and a half years. So Judas was walking with Christ for three and a half years. And then he's got another three and a half years according to the book of Revelation. That would be seven years. That's why you have those teachings like that. I'm not teaching either way. I'm just saying that's why they teach that. Because there's a lot to that. Look at verse 11. And the beast that was... As Judas, and is not. Judas went to his own place. Even he is the eighth, and is of the seventh, and goeth into perdition. Now, this, is, this has something, this verse right here, I'm going I'm to preach on this verse. Uh, Lord willing, when next time I preach, when I preach about Antichrist is going to get assassinated. And I'm going to preach on the Antichrist being assassinated, and I'll go into this verse, and it'll make a lot more sense when I go into that. So let's skip ahead to verse 12. And the ten horns. Now, here's the interpretation. The ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. So there's this ten federated kingdom. There's these ten kings. I would go so far as say it's a secret society of some kind, either uh, uh, the Trilateral Commission, uh, the Bilderberger Group, or whatever it might be, but these ten people, they're in some kind of secret society. Some kind, we, you won't know their names more than likely, and they're going to control everything with the Antichrist, and they're going to be raised to power as kings, verse 12, for one hour. In other words, for that one moment when the Antichrist rises up, when the beast rises up. The, verse 13, these have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. So all the money they have, all the political power they have, they're all going to give it to this one man, the Antichrist. Verse 14, that sounds really bad, doesn't it? And you see this world's getting that to where this world is getting to the point where this world can be controlled by one man. This country's controlled by one man right now. You want me to name names? I got in trouble last time because I named names. You want me to name names? Biden. Thank you. For, so, thank you for saying So whoever said sure out there, thank you. But you know what? Trump was running it before him. Yeah. Trump was just knocking those executive orders out one after another. An executive order. He just says, you go do this. Just like that mandate. I mandate everybody get vaccinated. Trump was doing the same type of executive orders. I just, we liked what he was doing, amen? 
some of what he was doing. Obama was doing the same thing. What is that? What is that telling? That's showing you that there can be one man take over and run everything. But verse 14, these shall make war with the lamb. Who's the lamb? That's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John the Baptist saw the Lamb. He says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. That's that Lamb, the Lamb of God. But he's no longer a Lamb. Now he's going to be a Lion of the tribe of Judah. You better get ready. He's not going to be some little baby in a manger. He's going to be a full-grown man with, the king, with crowns on his head. And he's going to have this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords when he comes back. Riding on a white horse. Are you ready? I'm ready. It says there that these shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. Amen. You might rise self up, and He might be an antichrist. He might have all the power, all the government powers, be politically smart. We know He's going to be a great orator. He's going to have all this stuff going for Him, but He has nothing going for Him like Jesus Christ. Because He's the Lord of lords. I'm a Lord. Well, he's the Lord of Lords. Well, I'm a king. He's a king of kings. And they got a question for you. And they, are, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Praise God. Are you with him? It says there, are you with him? And they are with him. Are you with him this morning or are you against him? It's only one or the other. See, the... What makes this Bible so hard for some people is that it's black and white. There's no 50 shades of gray in this thing. It's either right or wrong. Yes or no. It's either Jesus Christ or not. It's either heaven or hell. That's it. That's it. Go through the Bible. Look for this stuff. It's in there. Black and white. It's in there. Good or right. Right or wrong. You're with him or you're against him. And I hope, to, I hope that there's nobody in this room that's against him. Because it says right there, you're going to lose. <laughs> you're a loser. Honestly. There's no losers in this room. Ooh, somebody went into airplane mode. Well, there is one loser in here. I'm, I'm just messing around. There's no losers in here, Amen. The only, thing, only people in here are choosers. You're not a loser and you're not a winner. You're a chooser. You're either choosing Jesus Christ or you're not choosing Jesus Christ. Are you either with him or you're not with him? And he saith unto me, the angel saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So that starts explaining everything we've seen in Revelation 13.1. So that's, the Antichrist is going to rise out of all these nations and peoples and tongues and he's going to have ten, ten kings with him. Verse 16, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. Uh-oh. These shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. That's pretty violent. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Until the words of God shall be fulfilled. Guys, there's nothing that's going to happen in this world, be it political, be it with the White House, be it with the Russians, be it with China. It doesn't matter what's going on in this world. Nothing's going to happen until God has his words fulfilled. And if you see things happening, it's because God's getting his words ready to be fulfilled. A lot of us couldn't understand and believe that Trump would lose that election. As a matter of fact, some people think it got stolen. And maybe it did get stolen. But the point is, is when I seen that happen, I'm like, yep, God's getting us ready. 
Why? Because he doesn't care about your feelings in here. God doesn't care about your feelings. God cares about his son in these words right here. So you need to get in line with these words. If your feelings go against these words, then change your feelings to these words. Amen. I know this is hard. I know this is, I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to wake you up. As the book says, and the book's always been right. It's always been right. The book says Christians win in the end, and the devil gets it in the neck. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you're going to go to hell. If you do know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're going to go to heaven. It's just that simple. A little kid can understand it. Now, you can like it like I do and say, praise God, I got salvation in Jesus Christ. I didn't have to do nothing. All I had to do is believe. Or you can dislike it and say, I want to go my own way. God gives you the free will. Go your own way. But he warns you in this book, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are dead. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way. And I said, you know what? I think you are, Lord. I'll just follow you. Verse 18, and the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. All right, so what's the mystery? Did y'all see it? Did y'all get the mystery solved? There was a mystery. That was, that was a great mystery. It's like an Agatha Christie novel or something. There was a great mystery there, and if you were paying attention, you could have solved it. Because in verse 7, it says, I will tell thee the mystery of the woman. Well, one of the, one of the, what we need to do is, okay, let's, let's, let's knock this out. Let's figure out what is this woman? Who is this woman? The woman which thou sawest is that great city. Okay, verse 18, she's a city. Verse 9, look at verse 9, follow with me. And here's the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. So it's a city that sits on seven mountains or seven hills. Turn back, turn back to verse, turn back to verse 4. It's a city that sits on seven hills or mountains. Her color is purple and scarlet. Y'all figuring it out yet? Decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup full in, in her hand. Very, very rich. It's a city that sits on seven hills. It's, uh, the colors are purple and scarlet. Very, very rich. It says, full of abomination and filthiness of her fornication. This city and this, this, this mystery Babylon thing is associated with fornication. Hmm. Guys, that's the Catholic Church. Look at verse 4. What's, what's the colors of a Catholic priest and a cardinal and a bishop? Purple and scarlet? Sometimes black? Is there anything, is anybody richer than the Catholic Church? No. What's the Catholic Church known for today? For, the, for their fornication, right? That's what the jokes are about, yeah? That's what I see down there. Where is, the, where is the Roman Catholic Church at in Rome? It's a city that, what, sits on seven hills. It's a city of seven hills. That's what Rome's known as. Guys, I'm not teaching you something that, that, that the church has not known for 2,000 years and warned about the Roman Catholic system. And I'm not talking about the Roman Catholic people. I'm not talking about Catholic people. I'm talking about the Roman Catholic system. The Antichrist is going to be associated with the Roman Catholic system. And when that system, he's associated with that Roman Catholic system, and he's going to bring them up. And I believe the false prophet is probably going to be the Pope. When they bring them in, they start bringing in all these millions of Christians, and he's bringing in all the Muslims, and he's bringing all these people to worship the Antichrist. That Pope is going to be able to help him do all of that. And that church is going to be riding that beast, and she thinks everything's great. 
It says, that, it says there in verse 6, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. There's been nobody. Now go check church history. Go check it. There's nobody killed more Christians than the Roman Catholic church system. Nobody. That's the truth. I mean, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. That's just the truth. When you study, study it. I mean, prove me wrong. I'd love for you to go and study because you're going to find out that I'm not lying to you. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to open your eyes, trying to show you the truth. This Roman Catholic system is going to be used by the Antichrist, and then it says in verse 16, going to turn on, uh, the, uh, turn, turn on that Roman Catholic system. Listen, I've mentioned this before, but I found the article. This was back in 2008. Y'all remember when John McCain was running for president and he lost to Obama? An evangelical pastor, that would be John Hagee. Y'all know who John Hagee is? An evangelical pastor who backs John McCain tried to put his controversial remarks about the Catholic Church behind him, apologizing to the head of the Catholic League and expressing deep regret for any comments Catholics found hurtful. Pastor John Hagee, who heads the Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, Texas, said in a letter made public that he now knew, knew the terms he used to describe the church, such as the great whore, that's just what I did, Rhetorical devices long employed in anti-Catholic literature. You know what this Bible is? It's anti-Catholic. You know why I can say that? Because you'll not find in this Bible anywhere where it says to pray to Mary. You know what this Bible says? There's only one mediator between man and God and the man Christ Jesus. It's, that, it's in here. I wish there was more than one. It's only one. In here it says in Exodus, don't bow down any graven images. The Catholic Church has took that verse out, and now you don't have that in there. It, it's all through here. This is anti-Catholic. This is anti-Muslim literature. This is anti-LBGTQ literature. This is anti-me literature. This thing goes against me, and it goes against everybody in here. Because <laughs> it's written by God. And there's something wrong with us. And God's got to fix it through Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, and I'm, I'm going to read this real quick. He goes on to say, to win over evangelicals, McCain sought Hagee's support. So Hagee had went and supported McCain back then when he launched his bid for the Republican presidential nomination. But his campaign was caught off guard by the uproar of controversial comments Hagee had made about the Roman Catholic Church. The Catholic League called on McCain to, to, to uh, get rid of Hagee, say that he had waged an unrelenting war against the church and called it a false cult system. Among other derogatory terms, Hagee also said the damage Hurricane, this is what Hagee said, the damage Hurricane Katrina inflicted on New Orleans was the judgment of God on the city's sin. That's just good preaching in my eyes. McCain called Hagee's apology helpful. Whenever somebody apologizes for something they did wrong, then I think that is a laudable thing to do. The Arizona senator had initially waved off the criticisms because, guess what? Obama's uh, pastor had said some of the said worse stuff than that. Hagee endorsed him did not mean that McCain embraced everything that Hagee stands for. In his letter, Hagee said he had gained a better understanding in recent weeks. <laughs> he had gained a better understanding in recent weeks of the Catholic Church relationship. No, you moron. You, didn't get a, you said, I'm going to get rid of this book, and I'm going to say, I don't believe this because I want McCain to go into office. That's what Hagee said. Why am I hitting on Hagee? Because he got rid of the Word of God. I like Hagee, but not when he does this. In his letter, Hagee said he had gained a better understanding in recent weeks of the Catholic Church's relationship to the Jewish faith. Yeah, they got a good relationship. They tried to kill the Jews the whole time they've been around. 
Hitler killed six million Jews. Anybody know what Hitler's faith was? He was a devout Roman Catholic. The Catholic Church rang the bells for Hitler on his birthday. The Catholic Church helped the Nazis get out of Germany when that fell. Do y'all know y'all's church history? Y'all know anything about history? Do they ever show you this stuff on A&E and Discovery Channel? I know they do some of it, right? Am I telling you the truth or am I just pulling wool over your eyes? All right, man, just look into it. I'm, not, I'm just trying to open you up and give you the truth. In this letter, he said that he wrote of his profound respect for the Catholic people, and I do. I respect the Catholic people, too. And he said he hoped to advance greater unity among Catholics and evangelicals. The Catholic League said that they accepted his apology. The tone of Hagee's letter is sincere. He wants reconciliation. He has achieved it. Listen, I want, I want my Catholic friends, brothers, and sisters, I want them to know that Jesus Christ is the only way. And I want them to know the truth. And I want them to look, read their Bible. That's why I always encourage everybody that comes to this church. You don't have to believe me, but just open up this Bible. Just put your faith on the Bible. You'll be amazed what this Bible says that goes against what people teach. This Bible will straighten you out. This Bible will always straighten you out. One last thing I'll say about the Catholic Church. One thing I have about the Catholic Church is simply this. Is they take away your security. They don't let you know that this is, what, this is what Martin Luther found out. When he read his Bible, he said, you know what? We're saved by grace plus nothing. And he wrote that thesis and he nailed it on the Catholic. Martin Luther wanted the Catholic Church to stay. Um, um, he wasn't wanting to get rid of the Catholic Church. Martin Luther wanted them to reform. There, he was a reformer. He wanted them to reform. He was protesting. He didn't want to get rid of them. He wanted them just to say, hey, let's get back to the Bible. Because the Bible says you receive Jesus Christ and you're saved by grace. You don't have to go to the church or give to the church or, 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 or take the wafer or do any of that. You're just saved by grace plus nothing. Not of works. And it changed Martin Luther's life. And guys, I'm hearing here this morning, it'll change your life when you read this Bible. Know that Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. And it's as simple as receiving it. It's a free gift. That's all it is, is a free gift. They'll tell you, in closing, I'll say this. They'll tell you the Catholic Church means universal. Catholic means universal. When I say somebody's an alcoholic, what does that mean? When I say somebody's an alcoholic, alcoholic means they're holy given. Holic, holic, holy given to alky. Alcoholic, wholly given to alcohol. They're wholly given their soul and spirit. Catholic doesn't, Catholic, it might, they might say it means universal, but break that word down. Catholic. Holic given to the cat. Who's the cat? I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, and he has body of a leopard. Wholly given to the cat. Catholic. He's a leopard. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, come on down this aisle and get saved. The time is short, and I can't encourage you enough. Get on down here and get saved. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you so much, Father. And I thank you for your words, Lord God, and I pray, Father, that uh, you know my heart, Lord God, that I love people, Lord God, and I love all kinds of different people, Lord God, and I have all kinds of different friends. Some are Jehovah's Witness. I have friends that are Mormons and Catholics, Lord God. I have friends that are all kinds of different denominations, Lord God. And Father, you know I have a heart for them, and I love them, Lord God. I really do love them. 
But Lord, Father, I know, Lord, what you say about them, Lord, that they need Jesus Christ. They can't go any other way, Lord God. They, that you're the only way in the truth and the life, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that they'd come to that saving knowledge, Lord, and know and realize it's a free gift that you give them eternal life, and it's a free gift if they'll just come on down and receive it, Lord God. I thank you for making it simple that anybody who's young enough or old enough can just come on down here and get Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for that. And pray, I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will move among us this morning. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray, amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen.
If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.